Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. podcast with me Carly hope you are all well witches our book review for today is sea witch written by Sarah Henning and this is the book's blurb before the story of the little mermaid there were three friends one magic one royal and one already dead Evie has been racked with guilt ever since her best friend Anna drowned. So when a girl appears on shore with an uncanny resemblance to Anna, Evie befriends her in an effort to make amends. And as the two girls catch the eyes and hearts of two charming princes, Evie believes that she might finally have a chance at happy ever after. But Evie's new friend has secrets and whilst Evie tries to do everything she can to help her, she discovers too late the truth of her bargain. This reimagining of the origins of the sea witch from Hans Christian Andersen's classic The Little Mermaid is a heart-wrenching story of a girl pushed beyond her limits to become a monster. This book was a weird one for me. It's a young adults book, so quite safe if you perhaps have teenagers you might want to gift it to, or for you if you like a book with no real mild peril. A couple of times I wanted to put this book down and give up on it, but I persisted And I really loved the last 30% of the book. It was really good, full of action and an ending that was truly haunting. If you love Selkies, Mermaids, The Little Mermaid and Ursula especially, you will love this book. In all fairness, I did read this book after reading two of my new favourite books, So this book didn't have a chance from the get-go. I liked the main character, Evie, but again, I felt this book struggled with getting the reader to really connect with the main characters, something I come across a lot with fiction books. I wanted to know more about her than I did. It was just somehow a little bit hollow. There is a bit of romance in the book, no sex scenes or anything like that. So again, good for younger witches to read. 
in my teens, I would have adored this book. I did get frustrated at how many times the writer wrote how the love interest smell of salt and limes, I guess, like Chanel Sauvage wasn't a thing then. This book has a historical setting in the Norse region that I liked, but I felt like they could have done so much more with that. The last 30% of the book was a real ride. Tons of action, twists and turns, some predictable, some not, but the end literally got me. It was so haunting, so well done. It really got me finishing up the book. And you know, when you see a film or you just read something and you kind of like stand there in the shower and you're contemplating it like two days later, that was me. Like every spare moment I'd be in the gym and like, but wow, that ending, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It is an amazing, plausible version of how the story of Ursula and the Little Mermaid could have come about. She did do that really well. The ending was truly emotive. I wish the writer could have had less filler in this book and more writing like that throughout, but it was worth persisting with for that ending alone. I guess like anything in life, some things in life are worth pursuing. And this book for me was just for the ending alone. I will never think on the Little Mermaid story the same again. I just feel that they could have done so much more with the scenes of witchcraft, more on Evie, the main character, learning about the craft from her aunts, from her mother. It seemed to skim over that side of it. This is an older book that came out at a time when witch literature wasn't having such a huge impact as it is now. So perhaps the writer didn't intend on going too deep on the witchery, keeping the focus on the sea. If I had to give you my favourite witch literature reads today, they would probably be in no particular order. The Witches of Vardo by Anya Bergman, Wayward by Amelia Hart, The Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden, The Secret History of Witches by Louisa Morgan, The Wicked Deep by Shia Earnshaw. They are off the top of my head. We have reviewed all of those on the show, but they are ones that have truly stuck with me. A non-fiction book that I read recently that I'm just going to slide in here is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I think it's worth mentioning this book because as witches, we are often working on new intentions when it comes to Sabbaths and our spell work. One thing I'm beginning to realize is that much of the foundation of any intention is habit and discipline. I am someone obsessed with self-development and much of my life is about manifesting. This book gave me some real hard truths that will stay with me. I've realized it is less about the big actions, more a succession of tiny ones. I went through this book underlining sentences like a fiend that I will refer back to. 
But it's also helped me realize why some things that I've been working on and put into action have worked out and others not so much. It also asks you to get real with yourself. It really looks at reviewing things that you're doing. It's about understanding that if you don't enjoy the journey or the process for that thing that you're working on, it's possibly not the way for you to approach it or not where your skills lie. And it is truly about approaching something differently. For example, you want to get fit. I realized I hated cardio with a passion, but I will run to the gym like a crack fiend five times a week, sometimes more to lift weights. It just gets you thinking and it also helps with letting go of bad habits. It's definitely given me some ways to reframe things. If you have intentions that you wish to set this Beltane that maybe involve a long period of pushing towards the goal, I would definitely recommend that you read this. I'm currently pushing myself to read 10 pages a day of a self-development book and that can include a witchy non-fiction read. So I do expect to talk more on this front. So Beltane is not far. If you are an OG of the show, you will know there is an old Beltane episode really from when I started out, but I wanted to return to this Sabbath and hope to bring some new aspects to it for you to consider and hopefully try out. Join me after the break to talk all things Beltane. It's been a long time since I first put out an episode about Beltane on the podcast, so I thought I would come back to it with a fresh approach. Beltane begins 30th April through May 1st, however its initial astronomical date is on the 12th. This is a time when nature is at its highest and this Sabbath is placed halfway between spring equinox, Ostara and the summer solstice, Litha. Beltane is the last of the free spring fertility festivals and heralds the return of summer. A time to thank the earth for its abundance, a celebration of fertility, the union of the god and goddess. Some see the god in his form as the green man or as Kenunus, the Celtic horned god. Historically, it has been seen as a joining of female and male energy to create new life. During pagan times, well before Christianity, sexuality was something that was celebrated because it means fertility and abundance. During Beltane, animals give birth, bird eggs hatch, flowers bloom, and sexuality simply enhances reproduction. Beltane is a celebration of life that cannot exist without sexuality. Beltane is often considered as one of the Sabbaths of most importance along with Samhain. 
both sets at opposing ends of the Celtic wheel of the year, marking the beginning of summer and winter. A time when the veil between this world and the other world is at its finest. This was thought to mean that spirits from the other world could easily cross into our reality during Beltane. It was also perceived as a time for heightened magic and extraordinary events. Sightings of fairies, strange creatures and ancient spirits are common at this time. The portals of initiation, magic and alchemy are open. This is the perfect time for spirit communication and asking for the favour of the gods. This is also said to be the time when the Fae reawaken. Some say on this day many moons ago, the Tuatadadanan first landed upon the Irish Isles. The Tuatadadanan are the supernatural race that are children of the goddess Danu. They are often depicted as kings, queens, druids, bards, warriors, heroes, healers and craftsmen with supernatural powers. They dwell in the other world but interact with our world and humans and are associated with the Fae or She. It's said that some of the prominent ancient burial grounds are the entrances to the other world realms. Members of this pantheon are Dagda, the great god, the Morrigan, the great queen, Bridget and Lou, to name a few. Beltane has even been called Fairy Day due to its links to the Fae, and I am going to do an episode all about the Tuatadanam. It's said that the lighting of fires at Beltane is a pre-Celtic and Celtic ritual. They symbolised a time of purification and transition, paving the way in the hope of a good harvest later in the year. Beltane bonfires would be lit upon the hills and in the sacred groves. The priestesses would prepare offerings and libations and the bards would play their lyres. The name Beltane is possibly thought to have been associated with a deity that may or may not have been worshipped during the festival. Ronald Hutton explains that some attribute the name to the Celtic sun god Belenus and or to the god Bel, which according to the Sanas Cormac, an early medieval Irish glossary, a fire was kindled in his name at the beginning of summer always. Historians don't believe there is enough evidence to support this theory. Hutton also points out that the preface Bel meant bright or fortunate, which corresponds exactly with the rituals and essence of Beltane, giving us another possible origin to its name. The bonfire is the most important symbol of Beltane, along with flowers, the maypole, the May Queen and the Green Man. The day itself commemorated the passage from spring to summer with fire rites. The Druids would build two smoking fires using the nine sacred woods, oak, ash, rowan, alder, willow, hazel, hawthorn, birch and holly, 
and farmers would drive their livestock between them, blessing, purifying and protecting them from the feared fairies as they were put out to pasture. Cows were also made to leap over lighted straw or wood to prevent their milk from being stolen by the fairies, whilst rowan branches were hung over milking equipment for the same effect. Rowan branches were also hung over doorways where the cows were and the half. Not only this, the fire was used to bring luck as well as protection. The fire was thought to bring good fortune and bless those who jumped over it. And as such, it was a common custom at Beltane for couples, young men and even pregnant women to leap over some of the embers of the fire. The rest of the embers were then sprinkled by the sprouting crops in order to protect them and ensure a good yield for harvest time. Beltane is associated with significant events in Irish mythology and is mentioned in some of the earliest Irish texts. One of them translates to beginning of summer. It honoured the arrival of summer by herding livestock to summer pastures. Beltane was a springtime festival of optimism during which fertility rituals were revived, maybe in connection with the sun's waxing power. The centrality of springs, wells and water to the Irish Beltane festivities was emphasised by William Robert Wilde in Irish popular superstitions in 1852. Spring wells and water were used in many of the seasonal rituals. Beltane was commemorated with grandiose feast days during which offerings were made to spirits ancestors, gods and goddesses, and houses were adorned with mayflowers. The maypole itself is a fertility ritual. The maypole has phallic association constructed with the intent of penetrating the earth to represent potent Beltane blessings from the god. At the top of the maypole, a wreath of flowers will be placed to symbolise the fertility of the goddess. The dance would typically be performed by young men and women holding different coloured ribbons as they circle and interweave with each other around the pole. By the end of the dance, the spun ribbons would create a sheaf encircling the maypole that represented the womb of the earth. Ribbons are a much later addition and not seen before the 19th century. The maypole that was common during medieval and the early modern period was a wooden pole decorated with flowers, painted and had flags draped from it. The pole was the centre and focus of the May celebrations where whole communities would come together to erect it. I don't know why I used that word. It seemed very fitting or such a child. In a similar fashion to the maypole, a may doll would also be made and decorated with flowers. This would be carried around in a procession and this may be linked to the tradition of crowning a may queen, a young girl who was dressed in white and presented as the personification of purity. 
The May Queen in folklore is the goddess of flowers, queen of the fae, and the embodiment of the maiden representing earth and fertility. Some see her as the goddess Flora, and others see her as the maiden and mother aspect of the triple goddess. She awakens from her slumber at Beltane and has to fight the crone who took over the world during winter. Once the May Queen has won the fight, nature begins to awaken. And of course, we see this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The story at Ostara with Bridget and Kaliak. This links to the tradition of the flower crown, and I don't know if, like me, you are thinking of that awful scene from Midsummer. Some believe that legends of the May Queen have been used by Christians as the veneration of Mary occurs during the month of May and holds many of the same symbols and rituals. However, it's possible that the energy of this period is potent. This could be why many different religions and cultures venerate the young virgin or mother during May Day. In modern May Day traditions, a symbolic May Queen is crowned among the young women of the village and adorned with flowers and wreaths. Although Beltane originated within Gaelic countries, similar festivals can be dated back to that of Floralia, celebrated during the time of the Roman Republic. Much like Beltane, this holiday falls at the end of April or the beginning of May and honours both a god and goddess, Aphrodite and Dionysus to be exact. The celebrations of May were criticised by more conservative and puritanical factions of society during the 16th, 17th and 18th centuries, arguing that the search for greenery and flowers in nearby woods gave rise to sexual misconduct. One puritanical writer claims that 10 maidens who went to set May and nine of them came home with a child. Obviously a hysterical view, but it becomes clear that there was a perception about the beginning of May being a time of heightened sexuality. Not just this, but the feasting and merrymaking of the 1st of May were considered frivolous and linked to both drunkenness and disorder. And indeed, there does seem to be some sort of suspension of order over May Day, as it was common for youths to play tricks and misbehave. As Ronald Hutton explains, it was a day of licensed misrule. 
There were many romantic rendezvous where young couples would go into the forest on the eve of Beltane. They would spend the night together and return the next day with flowers and greenery to decorate the town. These escapades would sometimes be made permanent in an official wedding ceremony called Greenwood Marriages. During these ceremonies, the couple's hands were bound together, which was known as hand fasting. Some older married couples would also forego their wedding rings and the commitments promised to them and engage in their own romantic rendezvous for this one night. It was a very convenient time for women to fall pregnant because they would be able to work through the important harvest season. The darker seasons would be when they were less mobile and coming to term, but less assistance would be needed then upon the land. So it worked well. Here are some ways you might wish to celebrate Beltane. If you have access to a garden or your own piece of land, you might wish to hold your own Beltane fire. You could burn a sacred wood upon it. Birch links to the goddess and female energy. Oak, the god and male energy. Hazel links to knowledge and wisdom. Rowan links to the energy of life. Hawthorn links to purity and fairy magic. Willow holds death energy, but also healing and knowledge. And the apple links to love and family. And holly, protection. In some forms of the Wiccan read, you'll see the lines, nine woods in the cauldron go, burn them quick and burn them slow. Elder be your lady's tree, burn it not or cursed you'll be. If you follow one of the many forms of Wicca that adheres to the read, you may want to heed this warning and avoid burning elder in your ritual bonfire. I don't class myself as Wiccan, but I might heed that piece of advice also. But there are so many other properties these woods have that you might wish to consider. You may wish to get together with family or friends to carry this out or perform this in solitary. You could feast on fresh foods such as fruits and vegetables. And really, foods for this Sabbath are honey cake, Bread, grains, wine, ale, cider, mead, milk, and of course, honey. Spend some time thinking about what you'd like to bring to life. It can be an idea, a project, or a relationship. If you are doing this with other people, you could take turns listening to each other's desires to energize the intention. You might want to prepare a mix of dried flowers and herbs to throw into the fire with intention. A good idea is to write on bay leaves what you want to manifest and then throw them into the fire. And obviously, I might suggest performing this ritual if you are confident and have experience with bonfires 
I'm petrified of anything like this. Just saying, be careful when you build a fire. Do it far from places that can suffer from material losses. Needless to say, like keep a close eye on all children and pets. To perform the same energetic action in miniature, you could place a pillar candle on a plate and arrange naturally shed twigs and fresh blossoms around its base. Light the candle, breathe deeply and send your consciousness into the centre of the flame. Feeling, seeing, sensing the fire burn away all old unnecessary conditions and stuck energy into beautiful radiant light. When it comes to candles, you might want to add to your altar and burn perhaps a silver candle for the goddess and a gold candle for the god. One of the things I'm going to be doing this Beltane is baking honey bread for my Beltane feast. And I might leave a little offering for the Fae. I know I'm asking for trouble. Remember the tiny egg bowls we talked about on the spring witchcraft Ostara episode? You might want to have a go at making some of those to use for some tiny little Fae offering bowls. You might want to bake Scottish bannock cakes and eat on Beltane morning for they are said to bring you abundance. You might want to create a maybush of your own. So a maybush was a small thorny tree, often a hawthorn or rowan tree, which would be decorated with brightly coloured flowers, ribbons and decorations, much like we do with a Christmas tree. Maybushes would be decorated and placed outside of family homes or in public gathering spaces for everybody to enjoy. You might want to do this with some big branches that perhaps you find on the forest floor. You could write out wishes on ribbons and attach them to this like you see on the witch trees, the clutie trees. Bringing home a decorated bush or branch from the May bush would take its Beltane blessings with it. Farmers were known to place the May bush outside of barns to bless their livestock with an abundance of milk for the summer. During this celebration of ripened earth, it is said that divination, fertility rituals, love spells and sex magic are especially effective. Kitchen witchery is another great way to use the powers of Beltane to enhance your spell work. You might want to bake something with aphrodisiacs like a fig tart or a pie with asparagus and garlic. The possibilities are endless. Dew on the grass and plants were considered sacred on the morning of Beltane. People would carve out stones to save the dew and women would typically apply the water to their faces. The morning dew was believed to improve skin complexions, attract a lover and assist in physical healing. Locations near wells, lakes and rivers were considered sacred, so you might wish to collect and use dew on Beltane morning for some of your spell work. 
plants, trees and herbs that you might wish to incorporate into your spell work are ground ivy, lily of the valley, wild violet, mugwort, birch, hawthorn, lilacs, apple blossom, roses, tansy, mint, marigolds, dandelions, primrose and yarrow. Symbolism that you might wish to adorn your altar with are images or depictions of the sun, fire, flowers, anything related to fertility, antlers, floral wreaths, chalices, swords, ribbons, and you might even wish to make a tiny maypole. Colours of Beltane are yellow, red, green, white, silver, blue and pink. Crystals are said to be rose quartz, carnelian, garnet, beryl, emerald, malachite and amber. Here are some journal prompts from Beltane. These come from a website called Spin Your Circle Bright. Often at Beltane, those following an earth-based spirituality take cue from the open flowers and growing plants around them to reflect on what feels fertile or is flourishing in their own lives. You can ask, projects or goals in my life that are making good progress are? So far this year, I have gained personal growth through... What other things do I have the opportunity, time, inner resources, material resources and physical energy for bringing into my life now? And I really like this prompt. People might casually say, oh, she's married to golf or, oh, he's married to his career to describe the person's passion and devotion to something super important in their lives. However, this can have a shadow side as well. That devotion may end up taking from other relationships, responsibilities or possibilities. Similarly, in therapy, if one partner in a couple has an addiction or an eating disorder, this is often recognised as a third person in the relationship. So here are some journal prompts that you might wish to look at that could highlight this. Have I become married to anything, not a person, in my life? Is my relationship to that area of my life healthy, positive and allowing other relationships the space that they need? Has this happened to me positively or negatively before? I'll link these in the show notes so you can have a look at them. So I've got a tarot spread that you may wish to try. So your first card, the goddess. What do I hold within me I wish to birth? The second card, the god. What am I currently manifesting? The third card, the union. How can I merge cards one and two to create something new or bring balance? The fourth card, fertility. 
What is abundant in my life currently? The fifth card, fire. What do I need to burn away from my life? And the sixth card, creation. What do I intend on creating by the time the wheel turns to Samhain? So I have some kitchen witchery that you might want to try for Beltane. Firstly, I'm going to be making Irish soda bread. All you need for this are two cups unsifted flour, three quarter tisps salt, tisps equals teaspoons, one and a half tisps baking powder, and a quarter tisp baking soda, and one cup buttermilk. Mix all the dry ingredients, add the buttermilk, stir until the ingredients are blended and dough is soft. Turn out on a lightly floured board and knead the dough for about a minute. Shape into a round loaf and you can place it in a round pan or on a baking tray. With a sharp knife, you might want to cut into it a Celtic cross into the top about quarter inch deep, or you could decorate it in any way you like. Bake in a preheated oven at 350 degrees for about 40 minutes. And when done, the loaf sounds hollow when tapped on the bottom. Cool the loaf on its side before cutting, and this bread is said to be wonderful when toasted. There is another variation of this recipe that is just jazzed up a little bit with raisins and so on. I have got this in a very, very old book. I'm going to add it to the show notes. You might want to try making some Irish mead, but bear in mind you won't be drinking it at Beltane because it needs about three months for it to set. So you need to let it stand for three months, but you don't need much to make it. You need one tablespoon yeast one gallon pure water, three and a half pounds of raw honey, and two dozen shelled hazelnuts. This is a yield of one gallon. In a large pot, combine water and honey, bring to a boil, lower heat, and cook for about 45 minutes, stirring occasionally. Put the hazelnuts into pot with the liquids, cover and let stand overnight. Remove the hazelnuts, sprinkle the yeast on top of the liquid, cover and let sit for two to five days. During this time, the yeast will work into the liquid. Transfer the liquid into an airtight bottle and let stand for three months. Once the mead is opened, once you get to the three month mark, the shelf life is minimal. I haven't made any of these recipes as yet. I am planning on making just the Irish soda breads. I'm going to try to make this quite a nice sacred ritual, add some of my intentions, figure out what they will be for this Sabbath. I know we are a little bit early for Beltane, but hopefully the timing of this episode may give you some inspiration or at least some time to plan for what you might like to do. And at the same time, don't feel guilty if you don't get to do anything, don't plan on doing anything. Sometimes life and work and all manner of things can be in the way. 
there's many Sabbaths I've got to and I've barely even lit a tea light because there's been far too much going on. So yes, don't feel the pressure to do something if it's just not feasible right now. I will catch up with you all next week, which is I'm sending you lots and lots of witchy love and sending you Beltane blessings. Thank you.